0: Okay, let's talk dysfunctional family dynamics, shall we? Oh my god. Okay, dysfunctional families are the norm on this planet. I don't care whether you are a psychologist, or a psychiatrist, or whatever you are, family systems therapy, what we have been dealing with over the past X amount of years is an assumption, a basic assumption that dysfunctional relationships are the exception. In fact, they're not the exception, they're the norm. I literally am not kidding you how much the norm they are. For human beings at this time on the planet Earth and family dynamics, you're looking at a scale where pretty much everyone falls somewhere on this side of the scale. And it's a very rare family actually but it's not far into the dysfunctional family dynamic characteristics. In a dysfunctional family, there are very specific roles that people play because it's human psychology. So let me introduce you to these roles, shall I? The primary role in a dysfunctional family is what we've been calling the narcissist. Actually, all beings in a dysfunctional family unit are narcissistic. By narcissistic, what we mean is operate for themselves and their own best interests with their own reality. So it's basically like a bubble of I, me, and mine. In a dysfunctional family, the way that the family operates makes it impossible for people to break out of that, actually. Because even the people who you would think are not part of that, the people most people think are narcissistic, which are codependent, are super freaking narcissistic because they figure out how to meet everybody's needs but purely to meet their own needs. So they're still thinking completely mentally about themselves. So in a dysfunctional family dynamic, which is 99% of families on the planet Earth today, you're looking at a dynamic where every single person is narcissistic in nature. But the person that we identify as narcissistic literally acts as if they can't consider anybody else's best interests. Now, this is usually, typically, the father. Not always. I mean, there's a lot of super, where this is flipped completely, the super unhealthy females who the whole family dynamic operates around their dysfunction. But um, it's typically men still. So I'm going to give you that example, knowing that this can flip. Okay? I'm going to give you the example of the classic dysfunctional family. You've got a father. Well, let's say he's alcoholic, or maybe he's just... Because he's been raised in a society that gives him complete control and power over everything. He's been raised in that way, where he's kind of an asshole, right? So this guy is my rules, my law. I'm thinking about me. I'm not really thinking about your best interests. And if I'm ever thinking about your best interests, it's literally only because of me. This is not somebody that's able to take somebody's best interests as part of themselves. Now, the way that they live their life is dysfunctional. And based on their level of dysfunction, they essentially develop a need for somebody else to make up for that dysfunction. And so they end up with what we call the codependent. The codependent is actually the bigger problem, if you want to know the honest truth. Because everybody looks at the narcissist in the family, the one who's really in charge and is really the asshole of the family, and says, that's the asshole. What they're not seeing is the, the very covert narcissism that's occurring within the codependent. The codependent, first and foremost, is an enabler. They make the person who's the narcissist worse. That's why in a dysfunctional family, um, the definition of dysfunction in a, in a relationship in general is that it's a relationship that causes destruction to any person involved in that relationship. So obviously, to be in a relationship with somebody that enables my dysfunction, that is going to be detrimental to me, not beneficial. So we've got these these detrimental-type relationships occurring within this dynamic. The codependent, which is the enabler, is constantly making excuses for this person. So the narcissist in the family might say, um, might be drunk. Let's let's do a a narcissist who's drunk. They're passed out on the floor. It's obvious they're passed out. It's obvious they've drunk themselves into a coma. The codependent's going to be the one that comes up and says, he just had a hard day at work. Like, it's constantly covering over. Not only that. The way they get their self-esteem, super dysfunctional. They get their self-esteem by being the one that's so obviously dedicated to somebody who's so cruel to me back. So it's like the ultimate form of victim control drama. So this is the person who goes and, like, it, they never actually take actions to stop the behavior, really. And in fact, some quote of have gone far enough that when their spouse starts to overcome alcoholism, they actually put alcohol in the house deliberately. That's how bad they need the crash if the other person happens, so they can guarantee that they will never be left. In a codependent, super low self-esteem, because they grew up in the same type of family dynamic, with the super low self-esteem, they're the type of person who does not believe that it's possible for anybody to truly love them for them, so they have to find a loophole to cause someone to need them. And not need in a healthy way, need in a really unhealthy way. So. I need somebody who's so dysfunctional on their own that I can make myself indispensable in a way that this person can never leave me. And now I don't want them to get healthy because if they start to get healthy, they will leave me. So this person comes in as the savior and then becomes the person poisoning the water so they can heal you. Real scary psychology there. Um, they're also only ever thinking about themselves. So the codependent's the one who's basically going behind you know the narcissist back and behind the family back and is like, you know, woe is me, look at my life. I'm you know I'm such a good person based on the fact that I'm just so dedicated to you know what's going on here, even though I know everyone tells me I shouldn't be. That's the codependent psychology. Uh, this person's gonna destroy the children. Both parents are gonna destroy the children. Because the kids are put in a situation now in this dysfunctional relationship, relative to this dysfunctional relationship, which is now a family they're put in a position where they can't actually have a genuine relationship with either parent because both are completely self-centered. They're both completely focused on their needs in different ways. The child is expected to adapt, and and what they're having to adapt to is a very low self-esteem, an ego that is underdeveloped and unhealthy. And so there's only a few ways to cope with that. And usually, it's not something which the child decides in terms of how they're going to cope with it, it's something that's decided by the parents. So let's say that you have a child who who is hypersensitive already. Maybe they come in with a nervous system that's really super sensitive. This is a child who's not going to be able to conform to the needs of the parent, which is what's expected here. The child is not allowed to have their own identity. So when this child does something different than what the parents want, it's going to be no-holds-barred, like this is not acceptable in this family type of thing. Now the children in that moment where they're like, shit, I don't get to have myself, they get to choose either to conform or to be kicked out of the damn family, energetically and emotionally. And so if a child has a hypersensitive nervous system, for example, they're not gonna be able to. When they're crying and mom says, stop crying, or dad says, stop crying or I'll beat the shit out of you, this kid's not gonna be able to do it. And so what's gonna happen is, this is where the family dynamic begins and it's where your question comes in here. What will happen is that child gets positioned By the family itself into what we call the scapegoat role. Now that can be the problem. Now because the whole dynamic in an unhealthy family system is set up on the premise of a a very low self-esteem, a way to feel even better about all of ourselves in the family is to make that one the family problem. So in fact, the scapegoat in the family becomes the place that all of these family shadows are displaced. I don't have to look at the fact that I'm super controlling. I can say that that little brat is controlling, right? And it, it gets deflected, deflected, deflected. Now here's the, here's the other child. The other child will be will, who can conform becomes the opposite of what that one is. So it, one gets the deep display shadow and one gets to be heralded as the light bearer of the whole family. So, This one, we're going to put all of our shame on, and this one's going to constantly fuel our self-concept. That's the adaptive strategy of the two children involved. Now, that one's called the golden child. That child learned how to adapt in that they learned how to take their identity and throw it out the window. By the way, they become the future codependent. They they become the one that's capable of throwing their identity out the window and literally being exactly what both the narcissist and the codependent. Usually, they favor one or the other based on where their survival really is is dependent upon. To mirror, to become an identical match to, to completely conform to, and by doing so, the message that a parent, a this functional parent receives is, I am amazing and this child is proving to me how amazing I am. Now this is where it gets really messed up. When the parent squares off against the scapegoat child as the one that, that they deflect all their shit onto, they expect the other child to validate them in doing so. So what the, in a dysfunctional family dynamic, what, what the narcissist and, yes, even the codependent do, is they put the other child in a position where, in order to have allegiance with them, they have to turn on the scapegoat too. So they basically turn the children against each other. And a lot of the sibling horrible sibling rivalry cases that you're seeing in the world are actually the result of this. The parents have set up a dynamic, whether you're able to recognize it or not, where you turn against your sister if you want to be aligned with me. And this dynamic, even sometimes the parents can die, right? And the dynamic itself, the system of the family itself is so pervasive and we are so used to it and we want to recreate it because that's our familiarity. It's so incredibly persistent that even when parents die and there's actually an opportunity for the system of the family to shift, another member of the family will simply step into the same roles. So the way to understand a dysfunctional family is it's a self-perpetuating system. Because it's always seeking to reproduce itself. The minute that there's a vacation, and, you know, in terms of one person playing a role, there is somebody else trying to fill that role. That's why it's like I laugh my ass off when scapegoats actually get free of a dysfunctional relationship because the likelihood is another kid's just going to become the new scapegoat. I know that some of you that are in dysfunctional relationship have experienced that. Suddenly you find yourself in the position of, wait a minute, I was like the crowning jewel of the family and now I'm the scapegoat. Especially when you go under the path spirits rally, right? But so that's kind of what's happening. So the reason why your sister finds it easier to make you the problem actually has to do with your childhood, way way back. This was a dynamic that was set up in your mind. I can guarantee you, way freaking before, way before you know it was you two in adulthood. And that's what's the most important thing to recognize. Now I will tell you that people in general are incredibly resistant to seeing their own family as dysfunctional. Usually the people who can see their family as dysfunctional have really dysfunctional families where it's actually impossible to, like, look at it and go, oh my god, that's crappy, you know. For the majority of dysfunctional families on the planet Earth, you don't have something that overt, even though these dynamics occur. And growing up in the family, what does a dysfunctional family say? We're the most functional family! They're constantly reaffirming this, and so it's almost like you're breaking free of a gaslight. It's very hard for us to recognize the fact that we came from a dysfunctional family. But it's important to do, otherwise you're never going to see what's actually going on between your sister and you. But that's what's going on. If your sister is able to make you the problem, she never has to face her own shadow, and she can stay allied to the parents, even if it's the family system in her own mind. When is our first break for